Well, we promised you Michael Fragan. He is the JM and the AM political consultant, and uh, he's the man we turn to when we have uh, when we have questions in the world of politics. I'm laughing because I think there are a lot of questions and very few answers these days. Michael Fragan, welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning, Nachum, and welcome back uh, stateside. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I got first of all. You know, when when it's obvious that a group of candidates is trying to demean or, um, you know, treat in a less serious manner one of the candidates during a debate, in this case, by calling him Marco, right? Have they been doing that the entire time? Or was last night the first time that everyone started to gang up on Senator Rubio? Well, I, I think this was the first time that everybody had Senator Rubio in their sights. Right. Since that the focus was almost entirely on him in the past. You kind of seen a focus on either Ben Carson or Donald Trump. So how does you that? Know, he, so how does that happen? Game of musical chairs going so, on right now. Well, as, as right, but but, but right, but how does that happen? I mean, is there is there a huddle beforehand where where the others you know gather together and say, okay, here's our strategy. It's time to gang up on 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 this guy or that guy. Like, how? I mean, it, it, it seemed it seemed almost comical in terms of how um, you know premeditated. The entire thing was. Is it like that, or is it just once one starts, if it's a, a good piece of the agenda for the other, they'll just join in? Well, it is. It is interesting that if, when you think about it, Marco Rubio is not the front runner. He's not even in second place. Right. And in certain places, he's not even in third place. Yet Donald Trump felt the need to attack him, and others felt that Rand Paul felt the need to attack him. And Ted Cruz certainly felt the need to attack him. You know, Ted Cruz, who's in second place, you know, if you look at national polls, attack Marco Rubio and not Donald Trump. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible, uh, dynamic that's going on here between this group. I don't know if there's a huddle. Uh, certainly <laughs> if there is a huddle, the person who wasn't invited to the huddle was Chris Christie because he turned around and said, guys, I'm totally above this. Uh, I thought he had the be- probably the best line of the debate when he turned around and said, are you, you know, basically, are you guys falling asleep? This is what the U.S. Senate is like. Right, that was These guys good, yeah. bickering with each other. Great moment. I hope that he gets enough credit for it because it really is, it really was a great moment. And I think it really speaks to what a lot of people are thinking. Like, these guys could just go on and on and on all day. And somebody has to be the adult in the room. Yeah, yeah. The eyes glazed over, he said, uh, with great sympathy toward the, uh, to the audience at home. Um, the, is, 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 am I okay? Maybe, maybe I'm showing my age. Maybe, um, maybe I am, uh, you know, more, more jaded in my opinion than I used to be when I took this even more seriously watching the spectator sports of politics. But listening to everyone's, uh, ideas about how to defeat ISIS, you know, the three sentence approach to defeating, you know, the, the most active and, uh, best financially supported terror organization in the world is, is almost comical. Do you get the same feeling when they turn to each candidate and say, okay, what's your plan, and they have to give a 30-second presentation? Well, that's going to be the nature of any campaign. That's going to be the nature of any debate. I think you have to ask questions, and we're hoping for specifics. I mean, people who are serious voters and seriously looking at the race, they want they want answers. Uh, it's certainly, I think, a, a very valid criticism of Donald Trump is the fact that he refuses to get give any specifics. Even even now, even you know, less than 60 days before the first primary, you really cannot pin that man down on any specific proposals. Other than when we're going to build a wall, I know how to build walls, it's going to be great, everything's going to be fine when I 
Nobody's going to be scared when I'm president. Right. It's just, uh, people want specifics. Can anything be be distilled into three sentences? Of course not. And that just shows the problem that all the news organizations have with so many candidates. They're just, there's just so many candidates, there's not a lot of time for them. And you, you see... You see a lot of the, when you look at the winners and losers of the debate, a lot of it is just based on talking time and who interrupts the most and who gets in there and who gets, you know, who elbows and muscles their way in to talking. Yeah, there were a lot, there were, there were candidates who didn't get a chance at all last night. I mean, they just, you know. Well, pretty much, well, I, I would totally agree with that. Uh, in fact, I, I just should point out, I think one of the best moments of the whole debate and where I think you actually kind of set the tone was when Wolf Blitzer put Ted Cruz in his place and said, you know, you 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 agree to these rules, essentially right. now be quiet. Right. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, Cruz had made a point of bullying the moderators in many of the in many of the past debates, talking over them and getting a lot of extra talking time. I thought the w- debate was very well moderated last night. It was very serious on issues. I think Hugh Hewitt is absolutely fantastic. I don't listen to that guy enough. Uh, he really is a serious policy guy, and I think they really ask questions that really matter to people right now. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, I I also think Hugh Hewitt is is great, but I don't know his question to Ben Carson, for instance. You know, someone of your background, how could you, you know, how, how could you talk about obliterating, you know, innocent children? And you know, I don't know something about it. Just uh, you know, Ben Carson never said that, and he never you know meant that in his. You know, in his strategy of how to defeat ISIS, and and I don't know. I mean, I like Carson's answer to it, but uh, I, I just you say it was moderated well. I still question, even if the best questioners are asking fair questions. That's all. No, I, I look. The, the questions are designed clearly to to push a candidate to a certain answer, and you know that's a little bit of there is a gotchaism in every debate. There's a gotchaism in every in every uh, uh, interview. Uh, not necessarily to try and trip him up, but I thought the Ben Carson thing was fair because Ben Carson just is is all about platitudes. And in a sense, you know, people have kind of said, "Do you, you know, you want to talk about just in platitudes and general themes over and over? And when you get into specifics, it looks like you're reading from a script. Uh, you know, do you have the medal? What it takes to be commander in chief? Uh, you know, which requires, unfortunately, pulling the trigger." Right. Not literally, but figuratively. You know, and do you have uh, the temperament to do that? I think, given Ben Carson's background, it is a somewhat a legitimate question because he really has been all about platitudes. I'm curious what people in our community think of Trump. You know, we, we see that uh, among many, he's still very strong in this country, and among some, he's you know his popularity is starting to wane. People, some people are getting a little sick and tired of the routine, so to speak. What 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 about in our community? What do you pick up from members of our community? Uh, you know, he canceled the trip to Israel. I'm sure that made an impression on a lot of people. Anything you could tell us that would give us a general overview of how people like us are viewing him? I continue to be astonished, and I, I use that word uh, not lightly. I continue to be astonished by how many people are Trump supporters within our community. Wow. And not because Trump is a bad guy. I don't, you know, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think that he has any ill feelings towards, I think he has good feelings and strong feelings towards our community. But really, when it comes down to it, he is a foreign policy lightweight. And we know we have a foreign policy lightweight in the White House currently. 
uh, how do we allow somebody who is such a lightweight to go in and say, okay, you know, I'll learn on the job. President of the United States is not a learning on the job experience. I understand that he has the ability and he's a good negotiator. He pointed that out. He's as good a negotiator as many of the Jews in, you know, the RJC, Republican Jewish Coalition audience, uh, which I thought was kind of uh, off-putting. But he really does not and has not shown any considerable foreign policy expertise. And I think the, you know, barring Muslims from the United States is just out of bounds. I mean, it's just so far out of bounds. And, you know, many Jews should really, you know, come wake up and understand that. It's just not, uh, it's not workable. It's not, uh, it's not constitutional. It's not American. Yeah. And uh, we, we should, you know, we, we need to understand that. But uh, I'm still astonished by it. Uh, that being said, I think a lot of people are, a lot of people uh, in the Orthodox community are either with Cruz or Rubio. Uh, you know, some people had been with Huckabee. I think there are still people with Huckabee. Uh, I can't understand why exactly. Um, and then, you know, the establishment types are, are still holding on to the dream that Jeb Bush is going to pull out of the cellar. Well, I've had my weeks, you know. I had my Carson week, my uh, Carly week, my uh, my Jeb Bush week. And, and I really don't have a horse in the race right now. Like, I, I, I really have no clue, you know, who I would prefer at this point to win the Republican nomination. But why does Rubio seem presidential to me? Why, as I'm watching last night, to me, does he seem like the most serious? And I don't mean serious in terms of, you know, being deadpan serious. I'm turning to saying serious in terms of, you know, the, the effort to win the nomination. Why does he seem to me the most serious candidate? Well, if you're... Or the most, the most, pre- maybe I should say the most presidential looking. Maybe I should say the most presidential looking candidate among right. them. No, I, I think, I, I think that's a, I, I get the same feeling. And I'm not, and I don't have a horse of the race either. But I will say, having watched him, he does actually come across as presidential. He does come across with, with a command of the issues and the rhetoric and the oratory to back it up. Uh, he did, you know, I think challenge Ted Cruz very well on you know the surveillance program. And Ted Cruz right. is an old law you know in this specific area is an old line conservative libertarian who's much closer to Rand Paul uh, and that wing of the party as far as terrorist surveillance and that's his record. Um, you know Marco Rubio is much closer to what we would call a neocon type of approach, right. uh, more what many people in our you know, with our backgrounds, uh, you know, more the Dick Cheney type of approach. If you're looking for an heir to, like, the Cheney doctrine, which is not always popular, uh, Marco Rubio is more your guy, much more than Ted Cruz would be. Uh, that's, uh, I think, the, you know, that's the command of, of the issues. He's also serious and thoughtful in many ways. He's not as doctrinaire as some of the others in the audience. You know, he's willing to say that, uh, you know, to say that, we need to find a solution on immigration, not to just say, okay, we'll slap up a wall and it's going to be a great wall. And of course, Ted Cruz had the line saying, we'll get Donald Trump to pay for the wall. Right. Uh, good, good line, but of course, you know, building a wall on the southern border does not solve our immigration issue. Right. Michael Fragan with us, uh, host of a Spin Class 930 Thursday mornings here at jmnam.org. 
Uh, Iowa caucus, New Hampshire primary, we're now weeks away. Believe it or not, this process is starting to move a little bit. <laughs> I mean, uh... <laughs> hopefully we'll have a winnowing. <laughs> you think so? Well, you know, it's hard to talk, you know, even in our short time together now from this morning. There are so many candidates we didn't even mention. I know, it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, I, who's strongest going into these two contests? I mean, I, and plenty can change in the next five weeks, right? I mean, plenty can change. Sure. Well, everybody has to be reminded that the two the two states, Iowa and New Hampshire, could not be more different when it comes to the electorate, particularly the Republican electorate. Uh, Iowa is extremely conservative. It's a caucus and not a primary, so the rules are entirely different. It relies entirely about an organization. There's no. It's not really for the casual voter. Every. It's not like the polls open at six and they close at nine. You have to go there in the evening, and you have to sit there for a couple hours and caucus. Uh, it's heavily reliant on evangelical conservatives, evangelical Christians, who come out in Iowa. And New Hampshire is actually an open primary. Uh, anybody can vote. You can't vote in both, but you can. But independents and even Democrats can vote in the Republican primary. It's a very different electorate, very not dominated by. Uh, evangelical conservatives, but uh, more moderate, more libertarian, and there are a lot of, uh, there are some candidates who are staking their future on Iowa, and there are some candidates that are staking their entire future on New Hampshire. Um, and then, of course, you run into South Carolina and Nevada, and then other states as well, so even to look past that. It's going to be interesting how the field narrows. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it will narrow quite a bit, and then how that dynamic shapes up. I mean, this entire race had been the narrative about for the last couple months about Trump and the anti-Trump. Who's right. a Trump supporter? Who's not a Trump supporter? Right. Uh, most, you know, Trump seems to have a, a you know, a, a range, you know, in the 25 to 35 percent national polling. Uh, if other candidates drop out, you know, where does their support go? Uh, if Trump drops out, who knows what's exactly going to happen? But as I said, uh, Iowa and New Hampshire are totally different. I don't think you know anybody is expecting Ted Cruz, who is right now leading the polls in Iowa, to do well in New Hampshire. I don't think anybody's expecting uh, the you know Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush or Chris Christie or uh, or John Kasich, who are doing well in New Hampshire, uh, to break through in Iowa. Very interesting. Who you're, you know yet? Who you're going to be speaking to tomorrow morning on Spin Class? Or that's in the works. That's in the works. I'm trying to balance between the debate and all that's going on here in New York State. As you might, you know, as you might remember, we had some uh, really bombshell news over the last couple of weeks uh, as far as uh, changes, uh, particularly legal changes here in the uh, New York State Legislature, with very prominent uh, elected officials being convicted of uh, corruption. And uh, seriously, I take corruption very seriously and the topic very seriously, and we're probably going to speak about that a little bit. Uh, tomorrow, where we will certainly have a, a good and thorough discussion of the Republican debate. 9.30 tomorrow morning, uh, Eastern Time Spin Class with Michael Fragan. You can hear it on jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Michael, continue to enjoy, well, as you know, I call it the world's greatest spectator sport. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Malcolm. Have a great day. Michael Fragan with us here at JMNAM. It is an amazing spectator sport watching these debates and watching everything going on over the last few months. In this case, on the Republican side, I guess the Democratic side hasn't been as as exciting, but there've been there they've been there've been some moments on that side as well. Wednesday morning broadcast, twenty minutes after eight o'clock, you're listening to JM in the AM.